So, we're going to go ahead and jump on into the message. We're in our I Am series. Uh, we've been going through the, the seven I Am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. These are here really to help us understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. Jesus gives these statements as, as to help us really understand who he is and uh, why he came. And so I've enjoyed sharing these with you. I've enjoyed going through these things. And uh, so we're going to actually be in John chapter 10. We're actually going to look at the, the statement that he makes, and then we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit and go through that. Now, before we get started, I want to kind of help you understand something about this portion of the series. In John 10, Jesus makes two I am statements very close together. And so in some ways, this is going to be kind of part one of a very, very many two-part series in a, a bigger series, you know. So uh, if, if you are um, uh, kind of, I was kind of putting this together and I was telling Emily, I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time here. I want to make sure that I'm not uh, teaching the message uh, that, that has going to happen next week, this week. And so I'm going to try really hard to kind of keep on task and keep on um, on topic and not jump ahead. But if I do a little bit, uh, well, that's we'll just have to make do. But uh, we're going to do the best we can. But we're going to be, like I said, in John chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. But before we jump into that, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. God, I thank you for each individual that's, that's here virtually uh, this morning. God, I pray that you would just help them and be with them, comfort them, and uh, Father, that you would just help me. God, that you would give me the words to say, that you would just speak through me. Uh, because, Father, my words, they are not good enough. But, Father, when you speak, when you quiet my mouth and your words exit, Father, there is power in that, there is anointing in that, and that's what we need. And so, Father, I pray that you would anoint me that, Father, you would help me to share the things that you've placed on my heart. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump into John chapter 10. There's going to be 10 verses here, and we're going to kind of go through these together. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of rewind and kind of look at some other things. But this is what it says in John 10, 1 through 10. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is speaking here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and his sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So 
in this portion of Scripture, we, we see Jesus begin to talk about this idea of sheep and, 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 and sheep herders and sheep shepherds and all these sort of things. And, and he really is talking to, obviously, people that, that know a lot about these things. And, and unfortunately for us, we don't know a lot about what it is to be a shepherd and what that looked like, especially way back then. And so in some ways, we're going to have to look at these things and we're going to be doing that really over the next couple weeks because Jesus kind of continues with these idea of shepherding and things of that nature. But here this morning as we're looking at this, we're really going to focus in on the I am statement that Jesus makes here as he is the door. He says, I am the door. Now, just like last week, to really understand what Jesus is saying here, we really have to go back and figure out what the context is. And so if you watched our message last week, you're going to kind of see a little bit of, of similarities here because I didn't think there was any reason to, to reinvent the wheel. Because last week what we started with is what we're going to be starting with this morning, which is our first point, which is the setting. The setting. And really what this is is the context. Why did Jesus say this? What was going on? Because what we're going to do is we're going to jump back into chapter 9. Now, just so you understand, chapter 9 and chapter Chapter 10 happened the same day, the same time, the same people that are seeing all these things happening are happening. Now, I like that the Bible is broken up into chapters and verses and things like that. It makes it much easier to find things, obviously, and, and that's really why they're there. But sometimes we need to understand, even though there's a chapter break, there maybe wasn't necessarily a life break, if that makes sense, okay? So to really understand why Jesus is saying these things, what's going on, we have to go back. Okay? And we're going to go back into chapter 9 to really see what's taking place, what has happened before this statement, so we really have a context of what Jesus is saying right now. So we're going to start with John chapter 9. Now there's going to be several verses that we're going to jump through here, but I want to give you, like I said, I really think it's important that we understand the context. So hang with me as we kind of get through these things, and then we'll go from there. But we're going to start with John chapter 9, starting with verse number 1. So this is what it says. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Okay, that's a very important thing you see. Okay, this individual didn't have a disease that took place. This person had been blind from birth. Okay, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins. Let's continue on. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So let's hold on there for a second. Let's talk about this particular portion of Scripture. Now, now first and foremost, um, the, the disciples see this man. They, they see a man that's been blind from birth, and, and they make an assumption that basically says something happened. This guy did something, or his parents did something. There was even a Jewish mindset that basically thought that if, if you sinned in the womb, that, that you, would, you would pay for it in life. And, and so that basically this individual must have done something wrong or his parents must have done something wrong. And that is why he has been punished with this, with this, um, with this terrible issue of being blind. Okay? And Jesus totally says, listen, your, your theology is really off on this. Okay? He basically says, listen, that is not how this works. He basically says, that is, you're wrong here and that's not correct. He says, listen, the reason why this guy was born blind was so that the power of God could be seen through him. Okay, listen, and this is kind of a little off topic and a little on, but I just, this is important, I think you hear this. Listen, there, there is, 
there is purpose behind your pain. Okay, God has a plan. And a lot of times we want our life to be perfect and safe and easy. And you know what? The Bible doesn't tell us that's how it's going to be. In fact, the Bible tells us the opposite. Sometimes our lives are going to be hard. Sometimes there's going to be difficult things that we face. But listen, you need to understand there's a purpose in that. God's plan is there and in that moment, even though sometimes that's not easy for us to hear or understand. And so Jesus here is helping us. Listen, it's not about those things. God is going to use this to do something amazing. And God will do the same with things in your life. So they, they find this man. He's been blind from birth. Now, let's go ahead and continue. We're going to jump now from John uh, 3 into uh, John, or excuse me, John 1 and 3 into John 9, 6 and 7. So this is what it says. Okay? It says, Then he, he being Jesus, spit on the ground made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, I want you to remember something here, just, just so you know. At no point in this story does the blind man ask Jesus' help, okay? He doesn't say, Jesus, will you heal me? He doesn't say, Jesus, can you heal me? Jesus just begins to act, okay? So he spits on the ground, and he makes mud, and he takes that, and he wipes the mud over the, the man's eyes. He told him, after he does this, go wash yourself in the pool of Salam. Salam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back skiing. So this is an amazing miracle, but, but there's, there's some weirdness here, okay? Jesus is a little bizarre in this moment. Basically what happens is Jesus looks at the man. He, he goes, listen, this guy's been blind since birth. He spits on the ground, and he makes a, basically like a paste or a little bit of mud, and he wipes it over the man's eyes, okay? Now, obviously here, Jesus could have just spoke and healed him. He could have touched him and healed him. He could have done a lot of things, but Jesus in this moment does something different. And I think that's important that we see that. I think that, that, that we as human beings, if Jesus had healed everybody the same exact way, we would probably try to put Jesus in a box and well, that's how you have to be healed. So Jesus heals in many, many different ways. And I think it's important that we catch that. So in this instance, he kind of does something a little bit gross. So listen, if you have an ailment or you have a situation, you can feel very confident that if you come to me for prayer, I promise I won't spit on the ground and rub dirt on you, okay? Because this is not the only way that Jesus heals. But in this instance, he does it. And he does it for a reason that we'll see in just a moment, okay? So he does this. He makes the paste. He goes and tells the man to wash. The man goes and washes, and now he can see. Now, this is an amazing miracle. This should be something that is celebrated and looked at, and all of a sudden, this becomes a little bit of a problem, unfortunately, that we're going to look at here. So let's go ahead and continue now with John chapter 9. We're going to jump now to verse number 13. So a little things happen uh, in these other verses, but we're going to focus here. It says this, Then they took the man who had been born uh, who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day and, and so on and so forth, the Pharisees, because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him, okay? That's an important thing. Jesus has healed him on the Sabbath. Because listen, if you read the story and you go through John chapter 9, there, it's very easy to go, wait a minute, what's the problem here? Jesus did this amazing thing, but he does it on the Sabbath. And we have to have a little bit more background here. You see, in, in Jewish 
tradition and culture, they had basically come up with 39 rules of, or, or, or classes of work that were forbidden on the Sabbath. Okay? God had set up from the Ten Commandments the idea of Sabbath, of, of rest, and, and that was what we were supposed to do. And then man grabbed a hold of it and started adding all these things to it. But one of the classes that was illegal to do on the Sabbath was the concept of kneading. Okay, this idea of kneading. Now, most of us, uh, I, I've heard people talking about this on, on, uh, on social media and different things, um, where during this time people have been like, hey, I think I'm going to make bread. You know, and that's a great thing. My wife makes homemade bread, and man, when, when she's making that, you, you come into the house and just smells absolutely amazing. The, she, she'll, she'll, every once in a while, if I come home right when it's coming out of the oven, she'll ask me an absolutely ridiculous question. People have said, you know, there's no such thing as silly questions. This is a silly question. She'll ask me, she'll look at me, and she'll say, Aaron, would you like a piece of bread? And it's like, Aaron, would you like to continue to breathe? Yes, yes, I would. And so she'll cut some, and I mean, it's hot, and she put some butter on it, and oh, it's just, it's wonderful. And, but, but to get that bread and to do those things, she's got to knead the dough, okay? She's got to get it prepared to do those things. Well, kneading was one of those things that it was illegal to do on the Sabbath, okay? Now, remember we talked about it before where Jesus makes the mud, well, in that process, if you kind of think about that, they felt like he was needing. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Did Jesus here break the law of God? No, he doesn't. He breaks the traditions of man. And there's a big difference there. Okay? But in their mind, Jesus has messed up. He's broken the law. He's done something he shouldn't by needing that mud by making it into something different by taking the spit and the the dirt and making it so he, according to the pharisees he's done something horrible now let's think about this for a second again this may not be exactly what we're talking about but this is an amazing thing jesus has done something amazing he's done something that in a lot of ways points to the fact that he's the messiah that he's god's son and what do humans tend to do in this moment? They begin to look at it and go, well, that's not right because you mess up here. Listen, let's not be that way. I mean, we look at this story, there should have been rejoicing. There should have been excitement. There should have been all these things. Listen, as you look in the story, even his own parents, because they're afraid of the Pharisees, aren't really celebrating this awesome moment where a man that was born blind can see. They're too wrapped up in these rules and regulations that they have come up with. And so they are looking at him and saying, you know what, you, you didn't do it right because it's on the Sabbath. You made the mud and healed him on the Sabbath. So let's now continue with verse number 15. It says, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Let's continue with verse number 16. Some of the Pharisees said, This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others say, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. So they're starting this, this issue and this fight. What's going on? I don't understand. He's breaking the law, he's, he, but he's doing amazing things and all these things. Let's go ahead and jump now to John 9, 24. Continue with the story. 
So for the second time, they call in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Continue on. He says, and this is, this is an amazing statement this man makes. He says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but this I know. But I know this. I was blind and now I can see. What an amazing statement. I was blind. Listen, we've talked about this before. You know, the mysteries of God, the depth of God, all these things. You know, we can spend a lot of time trying to figure it all out. We're trying to figure God out, why God does this and why God does that. You know what? And that's fine. That's okay to do that. But you know what you got to start with? You got to start from a place that says, you know what? I don't know some things, but I do know this. I was blind, but now I can see. What an amazing testimony. There is power in your testimony, which is an amazing thing. Now listen, this is how they respond as you jump down. He continues to say a little bit. I mean, he really preaches kind of a, a really great message here. And you can find that after verse 25. But let's jump down to 34. It says, they speak back to him. You were born a total sinner. Once again, that idea that, that there, he's done something wrong that, that caused him to be blind from the beginning. They answered, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Now, let me kind of explain what that is. He's basically been excommunicated from the church. He's not allowed to go into the synagogue. He's not allowed to go into the temple. Now, this mattered a lot because that's where you, the temple is where you had sacrifices and all these sort of things. So basically, they throw this guy out. They basically say, you're done here. We don't want anything to do with you. God doesn't want anything to do with you. You have been removed from life in a lot of ways. So it's a sad story. It's a sad state of affairs. But let's continue. Chapter 9 doesn't end here. Let's look at John 9 and we'll look at 35 through 38. This is interesting. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. I, I want to stop there. And just I know, I know this is taking a little bit longer, but there's so much here. There's so many amazing things that we see. I love here that Jesus hears about it and he finds Jesus talked about that. He said, I came to find what was lost. Listen, maybe, maybe you've experienced some negative things from, from the church or from Christians or from people that you looked at and you thought, you know, they should have known better. You know, I'll be honest. I think, I know I have. We, I think a lot of people, we, we've, we've experienced hurt from people that, that should have known better. You know, but you need to understand something. Jesus knows about it, and he's wanting to find you. He doesn't look at that and go, oh, you know, whatever, you deserve. No. He is, he knows, and he'll find. He's looking for you. He loves you. And so he does that. He goes, and he finds the man. And he asks him this, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered in verse 36, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him. I love that. That is such a cool thing. Why? Think about that for a second. He has not been able to see his entire life. He has been born blind. And Jesus uses sight. He says, listen, You've seen. He didn't say you've heard him. He says you have seen him. 
and I, and Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Now, remember what's happened. He has been he, he can no longer worship at the synagogue. He can no longer worship at the temple. But you know what? He can worship at the feet of Jesus. I love that. I love that. That's such an amazing thing. And so here's the deal. All this has taken place. All this has gone on. Okay? And, 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 and now, as we're getting into verse 10, or chapter 10, now all those people that have seen all this, the Pharisees and the people, and the, now we come to chapter 10. So we have to understand what's happened. We have to understand what the context of it really is. And so like last week, now we're going to look at the statement. We're going to look at the statement. We start with the setting. We start with the context of the story and the statement. And now we're actually going to look at the statement. Now, if you haven't caught this, this is going to be much more of a teaching maybe than you're used to. But I think it's important so we really understand kind of um, what this is. So let's look at the statement here. Let's start with John uh, chapter 10. We're going to start with verse number 1 and 2. Now again, this is after all these things have happened. So all these people are here and they're taking all these things. So let's look at John chapter 10 verses 1 through 2. It says this, truly, truly. Now for, for those, you know, you go, what, truly, truly, what, what, what is that? What is Jesus saying? A lot of, in that way, Jesus is basically saying, listen, you need to pay attention here. This is important, okay? This is important. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now let's stop here because we need to look at some things. Because once again, we don't understand a lot about shepherds, okay? And to really understand the statement and what Jesus is trying to get us to see, we have to understand a little bit more. Because again, the people that are hearing this, they got this. They understood. They understood shepherding. They understood what this, what this was. But we're going to look at this. So, so I have a simple question we need to start with. What's a sheepfold? Uh, obviously, you know, we don't know a lot about shepherds, but back then they knew a lot. And so Jesus talking to them was really kind of helping them see what they knew and so on and so forth. And so we need to figure out what this is. What's a sheepfold? What's this look like? Okay, because this is an important part of us understanding really the statement that Jesus is making. So let's kind of kind of go back in time and let's kind of look at this situation together. Now, in a village or a town, there was usually, you know, maybe three or four or five shepherds. And, and to be a shepherd wasn't necessarily a real... Um, you know, high status position, but uh, they would go out and during the day and they would graze their flocks and obviously get them food. And the job of the shepherd was to protect them and take care of them and, and get them food and nourishment and all those sort of things. And after the day was over, the shepherds would lead the sheep back into town or back into an area and take them to what was called a sheepfold. Now, a sheepfold is basically like a just a large fenced-in area. They would take stones and they would pile them up and make kind of a, a pen, if that makes sense, for the sheep. And all the shepherds would bring in their sheep and they would put them in this protective place. Now, a sheepfold had one door. One door. And they would have someone called uh, the watchman or the night watchman. Or something, you know, that kind of gives you an idea here of, of who would come. Now, the shepherds at this point would leave. They would go home. They would get some, some dinner and so on and so forth. And they would leave the sheep in this protective area, this protected place. And a person, a watchman or whatever, would come and guard the door. 
and keep bad people from coming in and things of that nature and keep the sheep safe okay and so here jesus is talking and he's doing something where he's helping us understand this visual picture okay so now that we understand what a sheepfold is let's continue because we continue now with john chapter 10 verse number three and verse number three it says this to him the gatekeeper opens now remember this gatekeeper this watchman he's the individual that has been positioned in front of the one door that leads in and out okay to him meaning the shepherd the true shepherd the gatekeeper opens this door or this this gate and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out okay now i'll give you a picture here uh historians have really even shown us even people today that are shepherds they they name their sheep they know their sheep and kind of give you a picture here what this looks like now remember uh all five shepherds have put their sheep into this pen and and most shepherds would have you know anywhere from 15 to 30 or, or so sheep and so in this pen there's a bunch of sheep that all have different shepherds okay well when the shepherd comes the gatekeeper lets the shepherd in and the shepherd will call out to the sheep the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice and they all become lead they're all led out of this idea out of this pen and out of the sheepfold and they will follow the true shepherd okay so you kind of get this picture basically they know his voice he's named them he knows them it's a very intimate thing it's very awesome and he leads them out okay when he has brought out all his own okay again that picture he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice a stranger they will not follow they will flee from him but they do not because they do not know the voice of strangers this figure of speech jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them so in this situation he's kind of trying to help them to understand who he is and who they are and all these things but they're not really getting it they're not really understanding exactly what jesus is trying to get them to see here so jesus starting with verse number seven goes a little bit deeper and maybe even a little bit more simplistic so this is what it says so jesus again said to them truly truly once again important pay attention i say to you i am the door of the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them let's continue on verse number nine i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i came that they may have life and have it abundantly now why is he really saying here well let's let's remember let's let's kind of rewind and go back to john 9. what has just happened what is just taking place with this blind man that is no longer blind he's experienced in some ways what jesus is saying and Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to call you out. I am going to do that. Because here's the deal. I am the true shepherd. I am the one. I am the door that you go through. And when you go through me, that's when life really begins. 
And he says something even more. And remember who's listening to him when he's saying this. He says, any other way, any other person is a thief and a robber. Jesus here is helping us understand something very important. He's helping us to understand that through him, only through him, is the life that he has made for you and for me. He's the door. And a lot of times, unfortunately, and, and listen, this can happen to people that don't know Jesus and people that do. We tend to make other people or other things the door. And you know what Jesus says here? Listen, those things and those people, you know what they'll lead to? They're not going to lead to the life that I have for you. They're not going to lead to the safety of the, of the sheepfold and the awesome blessing of the pasture. What that'll lead to is death and destruction and hurt. Listen, there's a lot of times, unfortunately, where people begin to follow people. And those people aren't the true shepherd. And when that happens, the result is always going to be the same. Physically, spiritually, it is always the same. In this blind man's life, in the day that was, should have been, listen, should have been the best day of his life, there were false shepherds around. And they tried to destroy him. They were there to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus comes, finds the man, and he goes, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'm the one. I'm the shepherd. I'm the door. And when you come through me, when you have the access that I will give you, you are going to be changed. You are going to experience the life that I have for you. This is an amazing picture. This is an amazing visual that Jesus is giving those individuals then and that we can have today. But as we wrap all this up, I want to ask you a simple question because in some ways, you know, when we're talking about shepherds, you know, it's like, man, what is going on here, blah, blah, blah. But let's really look at this and let's, let's look at the third point, which is this. What does all of this mean for us today? What does all of this mean for us today? And to really kind of look at this, I want to go back to the Old Testament because there's another door that I think can help us today see this and even... Um, help us really see this even more clearly uh, as well, because this is an important thing that we understand and grasp. And so we're going to go all the way back to Exodus, okay? We're going to be in Exodus 12. Now, let me kind of give you really quick where we're at. At this point, the Israelites uh, have been in Egypt for several hundred years. They've been working as, as slaves. Moses has come, let my people go, all that sort of stuff. The plagues have begun. We've, we, we've already seen plague one through nine, and the final plague is about ready to begin. And so if, if, if you're aware of this, this is the plague of, of, of death, basically, where, where God comes and he wants, he's going to slay the firstborn and all these sort of things. But, but God is making a way for his people, okay? And so we're going to see this happen, basically, in the verses that we're going to look at in Exodus 12. So this is what it says, starting with verse number 21. Then Moses called the elders of Israel together and said to them, okay, go pick out a lamb or a young goat, 
for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, take a bundle of hibiscus, his branches, sorry, and dip it into the blood. Brush the hip, his, I don't know what that is, across the top and slide in the sides of the door frames of your house. And no one may go out through the door until the morning. For the Lord will pass through the land and strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of your door frames, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. So in this, this foreshadowing, of Jesus and the sacrifice. God tells his people, listen, death is coming. Death is coming. Listen, the Bible teaches that it is appointed for man once to die. Death is coming for all of us at some point, unless Jesus comes and takes us home. But you know what? It's coming. And so what God does is he makes a way of protection and help for his people. He says, listen, go out, Find a spotless lamb or a goat, slaughter it, take the blood. And where does God tell them to put it? On the door, on the door frame of their home. And so as the death angel comes by, they'll see the blood and pass by, pass over. Now, they have to stay inside. They have to stay inside. There's, there is a place there of safety and security in that moment. You know what? In some ways, that's our sheep pen for us today. You know, so th there's, there's that sheep pen that, that God keeps us in at times that keeps us safe and keeps us secure and takes care of us and protects us. But listen, we, we got to stay in there to be safe. We got to stay in that pen. We got to stay in that home. We got to stay in that place for us, spiritually speaking, to be safe. But here's what's great about this that we need to look at. Remember, Jesus says that, 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 that when we're in him, when we're following him in this, that we can go in and out. Okay? Listen, you were not created. Hear me here. You were created by God to hide in the sheep's pen. Okay? That, there is times for that and there's... All, that, but that's not why God and why Jesus says he's the door. Because we're going to continue now with Exodus. Because now in Exodus 12 still, starting with verse 50, what's happened is the angel has come. He's done his work in the, in the families of the Egyptians. But the Israelites have been kept safe because they've been uh, behind that door where the blood is. And so this is what it says. So all the people of Israel followed the Lord's command to Moses and Aaron, and on that very day, the very day that this all takes place, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. In our first scripture, we see them coming in, and now, through that same doorway, they're going out. They're going out. They're being led by God out into Really, if we want to go back to what we talked about early, into that pasture, 
into that freedom, into that direction, into that awesome place. Listen, when you look at scripture, when you understand the idea of pasture, it's a place of blessing. It's a place of of, of also protection, but it's a place where the shepherd would lead and show and ex you, you really experience life and people, okay, in the pasture. And so when Jesus says here, I'm the door, when he's saying that, he's saying, you know what? When you go in and out through me, there is peace, there is joy, there is mercy and grace. Listen, if this maybe will help you understand even greater. It's a lot of times when we're in that sheep's fold, you know, you've heard people talk about, you know, I just have a peace inside my heart. I just, I just have a peace in that. I, I think that's very similar to this, where Jesus says, hey, listen, if you'll go in through that door, if you'll stay in that place of safety, you can have the peace and the joy deep inside of you in your heart, that inner joy, that inner peace that we all long for. Listen, you're only going to get that if you go through Jesus into the sheep's fold. But you know what? There's also times where Jesus leads us out. He calls us out of those places into the world, into the pasture, into life. And we find in those moments, both with the inner and the outer peace, the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. This is really the bottom line as we look at this, and this will be on the screen. It says this, Jesus is telling us that he is the door that we go through to experience a full, abundant life, a life that is full of peace, joy, protection, liberty, hope, love, grace, direction, and care. The issue a lot of times that we find is we think we're going to find all those things going through somebody else's door or following another shepherd. And listen, those ways, those things, Jesus says they'll kill, steal, and destroy. The only way that we're going to experience the life that he has for us, that, that life, way, even like way back with the, with the Israelites, where we could find the protection and the help being in the home, but then also, or in the pen, but then also going out, it's only found in Jesus. He's the door that we go through. I'm going to invite John to come back up. We're going to go ahead and close. And I've been trying really hard this morning to not kind of go into next week, but it's, I don't know how well I've done, but I've done the best I can. Because next week, we're going to kind of continue, it's going to be kind of part two, but because Jesus next week calls himself the good shepherd, kind of lets us know what that looks like. And it's, it's, it's a great picture, and it's a great um, visual for us to, to see but this morning, we're going to talk about that door. And so many of us, we, we think Jesus kind of said, I am one of the doors. Or I am a door. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus says, I am the door. And look, I know that's not real popular probably right now. 
I know that that's, you know, well, I don't, I don't like that. That's very ex- exclusive. Yeah, it kind of is. It really kind of is. But Jesus doesn't lie. He's telling us the truth. And I, I do know this, and I can only speak for me personally. But I know in my life, that is that has shown itself to be true. It, it really has shown itself to be true because every time that I've tried to go through another door, or I've tried to 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 to, to follow a shepherd that, that really wasn't Jesus, in some way, shape, or form, all it's done in my life is is killed, steal, and destroyed. And I'll be honest, there's there's a lot of times there's a lot of people walking around in our world. And you look or you think about our world and all the stuff that's going on and the hurt that people have and all these things. You know what it really kind of boils down to in a lot of ways? I don't mean to oversimplify it, but, but there's a lot of people that have been going through the wrong doors. And there's a lot of anger and a lot of hurt and there's a lot of frustration. Why? Because in their lives, their lives are filled with, with death and, and killing and destruction. And look, I'm not saying if you go through the the, the door of Jesus that there's not going to be some wolves out there. There are. But that's what's great about our shepherd. That's great about what Jesus does is is he brings us in at times into that sheepfold to protect us and to to nurture us and to help us. To to make sure that we're, we're healthy enough to kind of go out into the pasture. And then he leads us out. And while he's there, he protects us and helps us. Yeah, there's wolves, but we got a great, amazing shepherd. But we're only going to have that abundant life. We're going to have that fullness of life if we first go through the door that Jesus has made for us. You know, today we took communion. What's communion? In a lot of ways, it's celebrating that Jesus is our door that we go through. And you know what's interesting? A lot of people know that verse. You know, they know that they like to hold on to that verse that says, oh, yes, yes, I I like that. Jesus came that we may have life and and life to the full and abundant life. But not a lot of people know the context is. A lot of people want that abundant life, but they want to go through different doors. Jesus said, listen, if, if you're going to experience the life I have for you, You're going to have to follow the right shepherd and go through the right door. The right shepherd is Jesus. Jesus says all other shepherds are thieves and robbers that kill, steal, and destroy. Now, does Jesus basically say we can't listen to to leaders or people in our lives that love us and that care for us, wise people? No, 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 that's not what he's saying. But he's saying that more than anything, the person we follow is Jesus. We follow him. He's our shepherd. He's our door. And you know what? All those other people that that love us and that care, hey, they're part of this too. They, They can be an encouragement and a help. And I encourage you to find those individuals. That's why it's so important to be in a church. But you know what? It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It will always be Jesus. So this morning, 
I want to invite you to walk through that door. Maybe you haven't ever done that before. Maybe, maybe you have lived a life that quite honestly, as you look at it, spiritually speaking, has been nothing but destruction and death and robbing. It's, it's a mess. But you know what? That door is still wide open for you and you can walk through it. And you know what? Jesus will lead you, he'll guide you, he'll protect you, he'll help you. He'll fix and bind up those wounds that you have. He's a good shepherd. And trust me, you, you wanna be here next week as we really look into that. And I don't wanna to get too much into it, but, but he's a good shepherd and he loves you and desires you. And maybe for some of us that maybe are Christians, maybe we've been listening to the wrong shepherd. Maybe we've been thinking we can find it in other ways, in other areas, and, and we can have that full abundant life if we just did this, this, this. Listen, we've got to follow the shepherd. We've got to know his voice. How do we know his We, we spend time with the shepherd, folks. We pray, we read our word, we, we study. That's how we learn our shepherd's voice. It's like, I've had so many people say, how do, how do I know? How do, how? You learn your shepherd's voice. And as you learn it, he'll call and you'll answer. He knows you by name. He'll call you by name and lead you out. Now, whether you're spiritually speaking in a place where, where at this point, Jesus has brought you to the sheepfold for a time of, of healing, for a time of rest, or Jesus is saying, you know what? It's time to go out. It's time to go out. Whichever your place you're at, there, there's not a wrong place as long as you're following the leading of your shepherd, the true shepherd, the good shepherd. So whichever it is, wherever you're at right now, I'm gonna pray over you and pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you are the door. You're not a door, you're the door. And Jesus, you have made it very, very clear to us. It's interesting in this portion of scripture that, that the people were confused. And so Jesus, you were like, okay, if you're confused, I'll make it as simple as possible. I am the door. And if you want the abundant life that I came to give you, you're going to have to go in and out of that door. Just like the Israelites way back then, where they were safe in the home. They were protected there. But then on the very same day, they left that, they went through that same doorway, that same frame where that blood was, and they went out to freedom. They went out to find and to be given, listen, the promised land. And Jesus, that's what you want to do for us. That's that pasture that you want to give us. And so Jesus, if we never have, Jesus, I pray right now for those individuals that need to accept you and walk through that door. Jesus, maybe there's individuals that, that have before, but, but they need to, they haven't been following the true shepherd anymore. And Jesus, right now, you're calling them by name and you're saying, come back through the door. 
come back to the door. Let me be that shepherd to you. Let me be that one that heals you and helps you and ministers to you and loves you and protects you. And Father, for others, maybe we've been following other shepherds. We've been thinking other doors will lead to that full, abundant life. And Jesus, just not how it works. You made it very clear. All those other doors and all those other shepherds will only lead some really hard, terrible things. But Jesus, you will provide life, an abundant life. So help us to walk through those doors, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, thanks so much for being with us this morning. If you need prayer, you know, the, on the little chat box, you can, you can request that. Or if you need to get a hold of me, you can email me and let us, let, let us know what you need. And if you need anything during this time, we're here. We love you and we're here and we want to continue, obviously, to be a family. And, and even at the beginning, you know, we talked about some people that maybe don't even live here. Listen, uh, we love you. And if you have prayer requests, don't ever feel like, oh, I, I'll bother him or, or, or I don't really go to that church. Hey, we're here for you. If you want to need prayer right now, type it in there. We'll pray for you right now. You don't have to be in this church or a part of this church. You can live states away and we're here. And we're excited that you're here. So if you need something, please let us know. I hope that you have a wonderful week. I'm excited about what God is doing in our church, during, even during this time. And it's been very cool. And, you know, the closeness we've, I feel like we've even grown together, even though we've been apart. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully really soon being back together. So make sure you're checking your email. Things are fluid right now. I don't know exactly when we'll be back together, but I will promise you this. We will be at some point. And that'll be a great day, an exciting day. So again, I hope you have a great week. I miss you. I love you. If you need anything, please let us know. Because uh, we love being there for you. And love sharing life together during this time. And after this time as well. So, love you. We'll talk to you soon.